Thank you, choir. Let's give them a hand. Weren't they good? And thank you, Sylvia, and all, each and every member who worked very hard. I know that because I live with my wife at home, right? <laughs> and I tell you, uh, this takes a lot of work, uh, a lot of practice and rehearsal, and to give us such beautiful, beautiful uh, hymns praising the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, today is what? You know, it started with the Greek Orthodox Church in uh, Russia and all the places around that when the high priest used to come to church on Easter day, he used to greet the congregation with this, the Lord is risen. And the congregation used to say, it's risen indeed, right? It's not a, a congregation, a Greek Orthodox church. This is a church of God. So let's try it here once more. I know you've tried it twice. Let's try it once more. The Lord is risen. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Like Mike shared with us today, I know that he is risen because, and he lives because he lives in my heart. Well, that's one. Number two, the men who shared today, uh, they covered so many subjects, they did not leave me anything to preach about. <laughs> so, do you think, shall we call it quits now and go home or... Uh, okay, all right. We're, we'll do something. Uh, let's... Um, I want to talk to today a subject that many people spoke of, and I heard it before in my life. I enjoyed it very much. And I want to talk today about um, the Emmaus Travelers. The Emmaus Travelers. And what happened? And I hope by the end, in about 25 minutes, would have learned a beautiful lesson and applied it to our lives. And of course, would have touched some unsaved people this morning, or this rather this afternoon. Well, as we said, we gather here today to celebrate this glorious day, isn't it? It's all about the only Savior, Jesus Christ, who was crucified and resurrected and is seated at the right hand of glory as we speak. Yes, he is risen. He is risen and has changed millions of lives from sadness and doubt to everlasting light of his presence and eternal love. Those travelers that we find their story in the chapter of uh, Luke, chapter 24, they were to, because of time, 
I am going to tell you this. There were two of the disciples. One of, one of the disciples' name was Cleopas. And they were traveling from Jerusalem on Sunday afternoon from Jerusalem to Emmaus where they lived. Well, I want to tell you something. When I went to Jerusalem, I, we rented a friend of mine and I, we rented a, an 180 Mercedes. There are some, some of you don't know what it is. It was born before you. Okay. <laughs> they used them as taxis there. And, uh, the guy said, would you take me to Emmaus? He said, okay. And, uh, we went to Emmaus. It was a dirt road for about maybe seven, eight miles. We reached a place that says, this is it, and this is per tradition where these two used to live. We looked two, two or three sycamore trees. I sat on a rock down there, and I didn't want to leave. I said, most probably Jesus sat here. And I looked and looked, and he said, are we going to continue? I said, well, wait, wait a minute for, for more. And I absorbed it. And you know what? Since about 50 years, I did not forget that site, the road to Emmaus, the travelers there. Behold, two of them, verse 13, were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, 24:13, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem, exactly. And they were conversing. And verse 15, lack of time, it came about that way, while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Of course, they did not... He says, what are you talking about? What are you conversing? They looked at him and at each other. And there's a saying uh, around the Middle East, says, okay, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? You don't know what happened. This is what they asked him, I say. This was they told him. Okay, uh, what, what are these words that you are exchanging? And one of them, Cleopas, answered, Are you the only visiting Jerusalem and unaware, unaware of things that are happening? And then he said, What things? I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I love how he converses with people. He draws in their attention. And then he tells them what he needs to tell them. They, he spoke and he, they were, they were down. They were, they were hopeless. They didn't have any more hope with what happened because they lost. Uh, they were gripped with doubt. They were gripped with fear. They were downcast. They were broken. They suddenly, suddenly, the one they loved, he came to a shameful crucifixion, their Savior. And they, it seems, did not hear 
until that time, because there were no other communications uh, now, uh, like us today, they did not hear that Jesus is risen. They did not. That Easter day, the Lord gave them all that what they needed to know from the Old Testament. And they reached their home, as I told you, under the sycamore tree there, trees. And let's read together Luke 24, verses 29. Let's start there. They, when they stopped, they urged him, saying, stay with us, for it is getting toward evening. And the day is now nearly over. And he went in to say with them, to stay with them. He accepted that, though he pretended that he was continuing his journey somewhere else. And it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. And their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And here's what we're going to talk a little bit about. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning with us, within us? While he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us, And they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together 11 of those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen and he has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. What a great God. This is the story I want to talk about. Let us notice. Let's look at what happened a little bit. These men were sad. And I want to call my very first point from sadness to faith. From sadness to faith. From sadness to the gladness of being with Jesus. Oh, what a transformation came to these disciples before Sunday ended. They were lifted right over from their sadness of doubt to the gladness of faith. They almost had completely their faith was crushed, but Jesus, being with them, renewed their faith. That's what he does. He takes sadness away, and in lieu of sadness, he brings the gladness of faith into their lives. Do you see how they didn't want to stay? You know, walking seven, eight miles is not... uh, I walk. I walk a lot. And you can get tired. But after dinner, they didn't say we will go tomorrow and tell our friends. 
We will, we will, when, let's have a little bit of sleep and we go. That same evening, that same evening, they took off and went back to meet their friends. Why? Because they have something in their hearts. They have something. They have good news and they couldn't hide it. Do you have that good news in your heart this afternoon? Do you have the risen Jesus in your heart this afternoon? And you cannot sit on that. You cannot be silent. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot be silent in times like these that we are living in. The Lord gave us the greatest gift, the gift of his salvation. Why don't we go out? And tell the people. You know what happened? When the, uh, in Matthew, when the angel saw the women, you know what he told them? Go tell. Don't sit here. Don't sit here. Go tell what you know. Go tell what you've seen. Go tell that Jesus is risen. And he's risen indeed. And if he's risen in your heart, please go and tell. Do not, do not be silent. And that's what they did. They went. And that was the joy of renewed, renewed faith. The gladness of faith, I call it. And what was, what was their message? What was their message? The Lord is risen and death is defeated. The Lord is risen. And you know one thing. You don't need to be a graduate of theology, theological school. You don't know, have to, to, uh, to be a preacher or a pastor. The only thing, if the Lord Jesus touched your heart, if the Lord changed that life, if he gave you the gladness of faith and the assurance of faith, please go and tell. Do not be silent. And this is what they did. And they went. And they went. Hope. Hope replaced their despair. And the Lord's dinner with them boosted their confidence. They were walking and jumping as if they never walked that day after seven, eight miles. They're no more perplexed. They're no more sad. They're no more hopeless, but jumping from joy of seeing Jesus. And that's the gladness of faith. Also, what happened to them is the gladness of certainty. The gladness of certainty. Theirs was the gladness of certainty. They had seen and known and ate with Jesus. It's no more that they heard. No. There was not a shadow of a doubt with whom they had dinner. You know what? If Jesus Christ had dinner with me, I wouldn't be able, I would be jumping like a crazy man. The creator of the world, the one who holds the world with his, on his, on his palm, it's Jesus who created me, he's sitting with me, (coughs) excuse me, he's sitting with me, and he, is having dinner with me, and he took a morsel of bread and gave it to me. I don't know how to to handle this. I wouldn't know how to handle this. And you know how 
how he opened their eyes, and besides they opened their eyes, I've heard it from many, many theologians that they saw the scars in, the, in his hands. No doubt. Certain. A new energy kicked in their lives. And no more limping doubts, but uh, leaping with joy and certainty. They, they, you know what? Here it is. The disciples, each one of them, and especially these two, they did not go back to visit the tomb. We don't read in the Bible that any of the disciples went back to visit the tomb, put some flowers on it, okay, and go there like some people, they go maybe every month or every six months of a year, which is whatever they want to do. No, because they did not esteem it anymore, more than any other tomb. It's, it's a different place. They did not go and break the pieces from the stone around it and sell, and sell it later on, okay, tokens, uh, uh, like, like they do now in Jerusalem. They are still selling until now, after 2,000 years, pieces of the cross. I mean, if that cross was huge, it would have been gone since a long time. And they're selling water too. They get it from the Jordan River and sell it, okay. This is that holy water. This is what, they did not do this. What did they do? Let's see. Okay. That after that first Sunday, the disciples were done with the tomb. And we are done with the tomb. Our sadness is gone. We are glad that we have no tomb to visit. Now you visit the tomb. I went there and I sat in it. It's a place. It's a place. It's a stone. Okay? No, after that first Sunday, the disciples, the disciples said no more. And why should they, why should they give their time to an empty tomb when they had the living Savior with them? Let me ask you this. I'd rather be with the Savior than going to the tomb and put some flowers there. Okay. Friends, if you visit any grave, and we all know that, any grave, you notice the inscription, in most cases, here lies so-and-so, born and died. But on the grave of Jesus Christ, there is nothing written For according to the angel, he is not here. He was risen just as he said. We have a risen Savior. Period. So don't worry about the tomb. Don't ever think that of visiting it, you know, it costs so much money. Okay? Instead of doing that, go tell the world about his salvation. Go tell the world about what he can do. And they had fellowship. They went and they had fellowship with the other disciples, the 11 disciples. And when they were having fellowship with them, the joy of fellowship, Jesus came in, in their 
and he blessed them and he put that fellowship life into their hearts and we thank God for the fellowships that we have my word because of time I want to tell you there's also the gladness of victory the gladness of victory each and every believer under the sun is a victorious believer Victory over death, victory over sin, victory over anything that comes your way from the devil himself. He is, as we, what, he is defeated. God had a plan. Nothing could ever stop him. Neither the large stone, nor the board of all the Jews, nor the elite guards, nor the whole Roman Empire. He was on a mission. And he accomplished it. It is finished. Against all odds. Now he is alive. And he has the power to give life. He has the power to give life. Paul brings this to the philosopher's attention on Mars Hill, and he tells them, he himself, the risen Christ, gives to all life and breath and all things. And in John 1, 4, he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. No other life exists, spiritual exists, outside the Lord Jesus Christ. God's incomparable great power is available to those who believe. I want to present this to you. It is the power of resurrection. Christ's victory over the power of death and satanic dominion. It is time on this Easter day to throw away all kinds of excuses and experience the new life in him. Stop going outside. Stop trying things to bring joy, to bring gladness into your life. There is no gladness outside Jesus. There is no happiness outside Jesus. There is no victory over sin outside Jesus Christ. No, do not kid yourself. This is the time. This is the time. There are numerous people. They prefer to say, okay, I'm glad. They leave the church, says, happy Easter, and they go again and live their old life. They live for events. They don't live for Jesus Christ. And living for events, you know about it. So many people when I, so many people when I used to work, they used to live for Friday night. And then when I see them uh, uh, Monday morning, how is it? Uh, how is it? It was a fiasco. But you were, you were putting all kinds of hope on this evening. What happened? It wasn't good. It didn't work out. Why? 
Because anything, any joy you seek outside that Lord Jesus Christ, it's a fake joy. It's a fake joy. There are numerous things we say, no, I cannot live this life. There are numerous things to blame. You can blame society. You can blame society. And our society is not that good. Or your spouse. Or your children. Or your parents. Or your neighbors. Or hypocrites in the church. You can blame bad breaks in life. What is holding you. What is holding you from coming to Jesus and taking him as the risen Christ as your life. The giver, the giver of life. You can blame also your neighbors. You, you can blame the wrong side on the bed. You can blame circumstances or your tough childhood. And there are so many things. Excuses are endless to keep you away from Christ. But if you want to be resurrected with the Lord Jesus Christ to a new life, you will be. You will be. Nothing can stop you. Nothing. Genuinely, should you decide to join the Christians in the world to celebrate this victory and a day like this. And you know what? You will be celebrating every day because every day is a day of victory over sin and the world. And what, what does this mean? What, what do I need to do to have this gladness of victory and this life you're talking about? Take him as your savior. I present to you this afternoon, Jesus Christ, the risen savior, with his life. If you take him as your savior, the same life that he has will be in you. The same strength he will give you to overcome sin and overcome anything that comes your way. No one can stop you. I assure you today, no one can stop you from a resurrection of a real life. You have God's promise that you cannot be stopped. You become a member of his church and the Lord said, okay, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. You will be protected and you will live a life. Worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. Make this Easter a victorious day. Celebrate victory today. Make this Easter a new beginning of a life that will never end. At the end, don't say, Adol, Good message, and you go and continue living the way you want. The Lord, the Lord is speaking to you. He's passing by. It's an opportunity you have to seize.
Ask him, Lord, Lord Jesus, give me that victory. Take away the sadness and help me to live a beautiful life. Take away the facade. Take away anything that is fake in my life and help me to live the real life. I want to live the real life. I want to follow you and be with you. Yes, this is what happened to these two disciples. This is what happens to all the believers in the world today. From sadness and hopelessness to the gladness of faith, gladness of certainty, to the gladness of fellowship, and then to the gladness of victory in Jesus Christ over sin and all the demons around us. You know, I can say, what a life. What a life. It's your choice. And all I can say, don't leave the place without making the decision for the resurrected life of Jesus Christ to come and change you. Have a happy Easter. Let's bow our heads for prayers. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to serve you. We thank you for bringing us all together to celebrate the Resurrection Day, Easter Day. Help us, Lord, to take this opportunity and apply to our lives the true salvation. Any person who doesn't know you here in the congregation, may we ask you, Father, to touch their hearts, change their lives, and give them a new hope. Take sadness, make their life filled with gladness. We thank you for each and every one. And as we go to all the varieties of all the activities we have with families and friends, we pray that you keep us safe and keep us close to you. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray. Amen.